It's Monday the 16th of November 2020. My name is Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, a programme that this week steps bravely into its third year of existence. Um, the pilot episode in late 2018 featured Bith de Björnstottir and Thorhildur Olafstottir, both well-known Roof personalities, who did a marvellous job in proving that this show was a goer, hopefully. Um, since then, we've had guests including the Prime Minister, all three of the civil defence chiefs. We've had actors and comedians, activists, business executives, scientists, even an ambassador, and plenty of journalists and media people, not only from Ruv, but from all the country's main outlets, and even a few from overseas. Through all of this, a tradition has developed to bring the programme back to where it started for its anniversary. And while Birte is unfortunately not feeling very well today, it is a pleasure to welcome Thorhildur Olafstottir to the show for the third time. Welcome to you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, in the news this week, the nation was shocked um, at revelations of historical abuse at a residential care centre for troubled adults near the capital region that spanned more than two decades. Uh, Iceland's dream of a place in its third consecutive major men's football tournament was dashed by Hungary on Thursday night. Over 20,000 signatures were this weekend handed to the Justice Minister protesting the planned deportation of a Senegalese family who have lived in Iceland for seven years and both of their children were born here. The COVID-19 infection rate is at a two-month low and certain rules are set to be relaxed this Wednesday. Officials are working on what, if any, changes will be made to border testing. There are nearly 50,000 travel gifts still unused and time is running out as they expire at the end of this year. Iceland has been given an extra 18 months to comply with the 2018 anti-corruption recommendations from GRECO, the Association of Countries Against Corruption. Only four of the 18 have so far been implemented fully. And finally, the mayor of Reykjavik this weekend felled the Oslo Christmas tree in Havemark a new tradition in recent years after the Christmas trees stopped being sent from Norway. So, where would you like to begin? Well, the football, is it, the, isn't it best to get it over and done with? Over and done with, it was a bit sad, wasn't it? Yes, very. Um, there was uh, like an economist that came in the news and uh, he explained that this was probably the most like valuable uh, play um football game that uh, Iceland has had yeah. because there were, were a lot of things backing on it like if you if we would have uh, won and got qualification uh quite a lot of money would have come into the uh, national um, football association of Iceland but uh, sadly that is not happening and uh, yeah also um, I, the the EM tournament is not going to be quite as exciting without our boys True. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been a remarkable run. 2016, uh, the European Championships, 2018, the World Cup, and it should have been 2020. But of course, it's delayed until next summer now. Um, yeah, it's, it's just very sad. And especially in that game, Iceland led it from, I think, about the 10th minute up until the 88th minute. Um, yeah. And then Hungary scored twice. It was, it was... Yeah, I stopped watching. This was too painful. Indeed. And it was, yeah, I mean, they were talking about a 
I think it was a billion and a half kroner just for qualifying. Yes. So, That's I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's money and the game. So it's, uh, it's bad in all aspects. But, you know, this is football. So it is. It is. And we knew before that game started that one of those two teams was definitely going through. One of them definitely not. And uh, looking at it from a Hungarian point of view, um, some of those games in that group next summer are going to be played right there in Bucharest, in, in Budapest. Um, and so it's kind of nice that Hungary's involved, from that point of view at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, uh, this is also a nation that uh, has been backing on the door uh, for quite some years, um, I believe. I'm not very specialised in football. But it's good for them. Like we know, um, Icelanders know how valuable this is in so many aspects. So for Hungary, you know, well done. <laughs> Indeed, yeah, well done to them. Uh, two years time, World Cup again. Are we hopeful? I mean, certainly we can concentrate a bit more now on it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, sure. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm hopeful. Um, uh, we seem seem to have quite a team going on there, and um, if all the players um, stay well and healthy, and uh, the the um, the new guys that are you know still sitting on the bench but are uh, showing very promising, um, uh, you know, are showing to be very promising. I think uh, we will we will be unstoppable. Yeah. I mean, unstoppable is a bit of a bold statement. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> uh, just briefly before we before we leave football, um, there's another thing called the Nations League, which is going on. Um, it's clearly not as important as the European Championships, and it seems to be treated that way as well. Because, well, I mean, we haven't won a game yet. Uh, Denmark just yesterday a, a, a loss, uh, and then there's a game against England coming up this week. Presumably, Iceland will lose that too. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, we have some, like, it's, it has happened that we have uh, won England. So uh, let's not uh -huh. forget that. And, uh, you know, Icelanders are ever the hopeful when it comes to football. But it, it, does, it does seem that the national team rather rises to the occasion. And they have a habit of doing quite well when it's really important. And clearly the Nations League isn't inspiring the same passion, uh, should we say, as perhaps the World Cup and the European Championships. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, that's safe to say. Well, it's, uh, I don't know why it's not as exciting. But uh, like I said, I'm, I'm, I am like, I enjoy football when there is like, um, when there is like the atmosphere is up and about, about it, then, then I participate in watching and following results. But yeah, I, I have to agree with you with the Nation League. I'm not, I'm, I'm not into that at all. And that says much. Yep, agreed. Uh, you know, every international game is important in its own way. So, so good luck to them. Um, yeah. This week as well. I don't know which day is it, do you remember? Is it, it's not tomorrow, is it? No, not tomorrow. But you know, every day is the same day in this COVID situation. <laughs> like I... I <laughs> I struggle following the weekdays. You know, I work from home and it's getting quite tedious. Yeah, 
it uh, time's going quickly though isn't it which you wouldn't yeah. necessarily think yeah i mean thankfully uh this autumn and the beginning of winter has been uh, very pleasing um and the weather has been very nice um, and the Christmas lights are out uh, earlier than ever and it seems to be like there is like this uh, nationwide uh, um, agreement on you know we can we can have the Christmas light extra early this year we need a bit of a cheering up so looking around me at my neighbor's house I see them everywhere and mm -hmm. uh, I think when you say like time goes quickly, it is because it's feeling a bit like Christmas <laughs> and Christmas are uh, not here um, yet, but you know, it's, it, it's feeling a bit like Christmas. You know, the weather is still, there is snow in the mountains and the Christmas lights are out. Yeah, and it's also feeling a little bit like that other major international celebration, Groundhog Day. <laughs> oh yes, yes. <laughs> Every day is the same. It's yeah. true. But uh, like I said, it, it, because the nice weather, it's um, it's uh, good to go out and enjoy that. And I even heard from, uh, like in one of the uh, big uh, banks here in Iceland, that they have uh, taken up, uh, instead of doing the um, Zoom meetings that everyone is sick and tired of, they go outside because you can keep like distance and you can just wear your mask and uh, you know, so the two the meetings outside. So, you know, the executive levels, um, the rest of them, they, they go to the part of town where one of them lives and they walk around that part of town while doing their meeting. And then uh, the next meeting is in another part of town where another executive lives and so forth. And, um, and this is done um, in, um, in so many uh, just within co-workers workers at the back. And this has proved to be like very successful. It's people enjoy, uh, of course, meeting their coworkers that they haven't seen in person for quite some while, but also just going out and doing meetings uh, while walking and getting in the fresh air. It's just invigorating. Yeah, and it's like you say, it's, it's kind of remarkable that we've got to the second half of November now, and this is still a thing because it has been a very pleasant autumn yeah which is it has been lucky yeah. yeah yeah no winter storms yet but you know they will come <laughs> they definitely will come yeah absolutely what um do we have an inkling of of, of when life is going to become a little bit more normal again because we are at a two-month low in new cases now. Um, there was, I think, a dozen, maybe less than, um, new cases yesterday, although weekend numbers are always lower. Yeah, yeah, um, because they're not testing as much. So, like, we, we I, I think it's safe to say that we do not know where we stand until, like, we are well into the week. And then again, even though the numbers are going to be good this week, um, um, you know, officials, both uh, the, the the fabulous three and um, and uh, just Icelandic government, they're all just very hesitant to let go of restriction. They are like, they, you can just sense that they are trying to hold on tight for as long as they possibly can. So I think yes. um, nothing is, you know, they're not going to let anything out of the bag this week. Um, 
I, 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 I'm backing on that. No, but we do know that some restrictions are being relaxed from Wednesday. Um, not as many as people perhaps thought. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not going to be like very uh, significant. Like I think the swimming pools are not going to be open again, for example. No. I think the the most and significant we are, of course, single like, thing. Like that is what we are all looking forward to. Like the swimming pool open. I mean, you know, just take everything away from us, but not the swimming pools. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The, I mean, and that's another important part of what you were saying about enjoying the outside. Because uh, mm. most of the pools are outside, and, and yeah. Uh, yeah, the pools are not open, um, but people will be able to go for a haircut again. That's something. Yeah, well, yeah, that certainly is something. Um, I think I've heard people that are going absolutely crazy with their hair. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but I don't know, I uh, like, I, I don't have a, a hair that needs a haircut uh, every other week. Uh, as it seems to be with so many people and um, you know people should maybe people should should just look closely of why they are always going to the hairdresser so often like just go all natural with the hair you know have a hair that doesn't need that much maintenance you know is yeah. that what we should be taking with us from this covid situation uh, undoubtedly yeah uh, although there's probably people out there that were thinking, oh, I'm looking a bit shaggy. I should probably go to the hairdressers two months ago, and then they got shut. <laughs> so I'm sure it yes. goes both ways. And, yes, my um, husband is in that situation. I mean, <laughs> he he feels like he is becoming one of the Beatles now. Um, so you know, I I I I understand uh, uh, people from <laughs> also that are uh, quite eager to get to the hairdresser. Um, what other? changes are coming up um there's changes to children's and teenagers sports uh and and out of school activities coming in um yeah basically they're allowed that's, again yeah that's and that's very important because uh um teachers and uh, uh sport teachers has been have been pointing out that this is you know quite important for uh people of that age to be able to um you know, go about and uh, have, uh, you know, after school activities, whether mm -hmm. it be sports or any other things. And uh, because this is especially a vulnerable uh, group, young people, like they, they, they need, they need the routine and they need something going on because they, 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 they need a schedule more than any other group uh, uh, in, in society. So this is, um, this has been something that um, um, I think um, I think the government just could not delay any longer of uh, um, lifting the rest restriction on this. I mean, this is um, this is just um, when it comes to health, mental health, and uh, and also just uh, how uh, children are doing in school. Mm -hmm. This is just proving to be uh, very important. It is, and not to mention the the physical side of it as well. We all we've we've all been told that it's important to keep moving and and to stay active during this time for our own physical and also mental well being, and that's precisely, I guess, most children and young people 
these organized sports activities is where they get that release uh, and then yeah, they were exactly. taken away too yeah so yeah welcome back to those uh, and other things including beauty parlors massage parlors um was was dent were dentists closed this time around? I know they were in the spring. Do you know? No, that? no, they were they, they weren't closed. No. Um, I went to the dentist uh, two weeks ago, and I'm going again this week. So they've been uh, up and going. Like, uh, of course, they are just a very important uh, part of the healthcare system that you can't delay. Like in many instances, you can't delay a dentist meeting like you can delay a haircut. No, exactly. Um, what's the reaction been to the to, to not increasing the ten person assembly limit at this time? Because I think a lot of people were kind of expecting maybe it would go up to I don't know twenty, because ten is is as harsh as it has ever been, and the inf infection rate at the moment is lower than it's been for just over two months now. Um, are people still very sympathetic to this? The reasons behind not changing it at this time, or is there an impatience? Do you think? Well, there is impatience, but there is also like a, a, I think the understanding is that uh, we're going to keep it tight as uh, for as long as we can because of Christmas. Because when the advent uh, comes, like we we need to be on very solid grounds when uh, we open up for the Christmas activities. But of course, this is. Uh, I mean, you've heard, we've heard from uh, uh, people that work in the restaurant business who are uh, struggling and also shop owners. Uh, this is proving to be very difficult for them in many ways, uh, but especially restaurants. Uh, they are, uh, yeah, well, they, yeah, they are not happy uh, and they have been very vocal about it. Mm. And the, this is, for them, because they need people to come at the places and have food and stay there for the evening or the day and everything. So they, they're not like the shop that can, you know, rely on uh, people just buying stuff from them online. You know, if you're, you're a restaurant, you kind of like need people to come in. So these 10 person restrictions are proved to be very difficult for most of the restaurants. Um, all around um, Iceland. And what's the difference between their situation and the, and the situation of, for example, bars and pubs, which are closed completely at the moment? How does, how does that affect them business-wise? Because you would think that being open at all would be a good thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, um, you know, isn't the difference... Well, the, the, this has been disputed. Like, the, what is the difference between a bar and a restaurant? But uh, apparently... Uh, the the the, the um, if you have a certificate to serve food then you're allowed to have people in but if you're only like a alcohol <laughs> seller then you cannot I don't, I've never quite understood this uh, no. and um, and um, yeah no but this is just something that you accept and uh, I don't know maybe I just accept it because I'm a mo mother of two and I live in a, a Reykjavik suburb and uh, like I it's not that I'm it's not like I'm going out um, with or without restriction, so it doesn't like affect me. But I've heard from uh, people that are younger and have more active social life that this is um, this is getting tediously boring. 
Mm. And, um, you know, they miss their pubs and their uh, fun places to go. I mean, again, this is a very important uh, aspect in in the social life of a very big part of the uh, the country. But are, are bars that are closed, are they receiving um, government help that restaurants are not receiving because they're open? Um, yes, yes, but uh, it, that, that's the thing. It's uh, They have to like qualify uh, for something and something and then they can get a bit of, a, a bit of help and and some bars are not not qualifying it's it's a difficult situation this is some bureaucratic uh, difficulties again that nobody understands uh, unless there are, are specialists in the the matter and lawyers mm. yeah well hopefully that they can uh, start getting some uh, getting some income again in the run up to christmas um should well, we I think like if Yes, please, let's step away from the COVID. <laughs> <laughs> um, how about um, Arnaholt? Yes. That's been an interesting story this week. It's nothing, it's, it's not new, it's quite the opposite. It's decades old, um, but it's shocking. It is quite shocking. And the thing is that um, for the past uh, years, maybe for the past seven or six years, uh, Stories like this has been have been um, surfacing, um, and there even was like a, a, a committee that was established a few years ago who uh, looked specially into uh, official homes for children um, uh, from that same period of time in the sixties and the seventies that were um, terrible to say the least. So. Um, there was an official committee that was uh, put on and they gathered the stories and they spoke to the uh, uh, the people who were uh, put there and then paid them uh, um, what do you call it like uh, just compensation yes uh, because of how they were treated in these homes the thing is that uh, well it's happening all around europe isn't it that um, you know we are uh, it was a different time and people were done differently, uh, but it, it's more terrible that um, you could ever imagine all these stories from these homes and official uh, whereabouts that how they operated at that time, mm. um, the violence, the neglect, um, you know, everything. And this is all resurfacing now and uh, and yeah, people who went through this are uh, still alive and finally they are given an opportunity to be uh, hurt and, uh, you know, and, and finally the, you know, the authorities are saying like, what you went through was wrong. Mm. It's but interesting in this case that um, the, the, the committee you mentioned that looked into children's homes so long ago yeah. one of their recommendations was to investigate similar homes that had adults in them and that was never done that was never done and that's the thing i mean you have to like do you do you think it is because like they just can't like the government just can't handle anymore because you know that you know 
it's almost as if a home like this was operated at that period of time, something terrible was going on, like regardless. And like, if you keep on digging, you're always going to, the dirt will come up, up and it means that you like have to compensate like everyone <laughs> that has been put in a home like this, children and adults for the past 50, 60, 70 years. Because there were, it seemed to be that there was mistreatment everywhere. Even if people weren't specifically targeted with this awful like isolation treatment or being left outside as we were seeing from these papers, they were the victims of very poor housing and a severe staff shortage, all of them. You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, and this is, this story is of course terrible, but the, the, the most terrible thing of it is, is it's not, it's not just a single, uh, yeah, it, it's, 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 it just speaks to all the other stories that are being uncovered. This is the same story, just a different home. And mm. um, like I'm saying, it's, it's like, if you keep on digging, it, uh, like I feel like that. If you keep on digging, you're all, you are going to dig up the dirt, dirt, because it's like, this was just, this was just how it was practiced. It seems to be. This was just how it was done with all the misfits in communities, in, in Icelandic society, be it uh, uh, children or adult, uh, people with mental problem or disabled, uh, people who suffered from um, uh, hearing loss or just anything. People who were put away, like in this official home, they were mistreated at that time, um, at that period of time. It seems to be that this was just... This Again. was just how things were done. Yeah. I mean, the, like you say, the existence of this place at all was interesting, to say the least, because it was run by Reykjavik City Council. It was never registered as a medical facility until uh, the 70s when it got put under Borgarspitalin. And it, it was just a place to put people, really, it seemed. There was alcoholis, uh, alcoholics with people with mental issues, with people with physical issues, just because I think the official terminology was used, people who couldn't be with other citizens in town for various reasons, yeah. which is yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. But the thing is that this was just... This is uh, this was done for uh, such a long time. It's not until like it, it, there's so, it, it's just for the past years we have been seriously looking into like how we can help people and putting them in right places, in the right facilities with uh, with concentrated uh, special cares. But everyone who did not fit in around this time, they were just put somewhere. And for example, like these were, um, you know, people with, um, you know, maybe m many difficulties, uh, drinking problems, mental health, uh, mental health issues, uh, uh, or maybe uh, some uh, um, um, just, uh, yeah, some physical issues as well. So, you, you know, they were just, they were just in the way of society. So they had to be put somewhere out of sight and then out of mind, it seems. Yeah. 
and uh, the oversight as well i think is important it was kind of these, these these places were sort of bubbles you had the managers and then you had the staff and that was kind of it and there wasn't i think today i hope at least that there's national and and local authorities coming in and out all the time making sure that things are going on acceptably out you know yeah, outside, yeah, I mean, outside people yeah yeah um I mean, that is practiced or should be practiced today. Uh, um, you know, these um, homes like these, or um, they are, you know, constantly under evaluation and, and looked into. And I mean, there are just much more professionalism, and we know much more about uh, people who suffer from all sorts of uh, difficulties. And we, like there is a better treat, uh, understanding of treatment than everything and it's also just like we've come a long way as a society like we we just have accepted that like we need to support everyone in uh, and yeah we, we just need to support and help everyone that's their right mm -hmm. um so i mean this um you ask, and it's always asked when uh, these stories come up in Iceland, like, could this happen today? And uh, the thing is that, the, uh, like, they, it is always answered the same, like, we never say never, but uh, we have a much better system now. This, these homes were just built, people were dumped there, and then nobody kind of, like, wanted to know anything more about it. Nobody mm -hmm. was looking into it, and it was... Uh, and when you read the story, um, the Reykjavik official, the, the city councillor, they were just like, they kind of were, uh, they just didn't want to know because it was best not to know. Um, but yeah, I think um, um, that is now how, uh, not how it is practiced today. That's, <laughs> I think that is the main and most important thing there. Um, unfortunately, though, as is so often the case, we have run out of time. Yeah. Thank you for listening and welcome to Year 3. Week in Iceland will be back as usual next Monday, the 23rd of November on roof.is forward slash English, Roof English on Facebook, through the Roof app and your favourite podcast platform. Thank you to uh, Thorhildur Olofstotir for being on the show today. Um, and also to Lydia Gretestotir for running the technical side of things. We finish today with Don't Know How to Love, a Gus Gus, for a hopefully pretty obvious reason. FNL.